aren't you glad that we have a hope that goes beyond this life? And uh, it's more than what we know here, what we have here. Um, I'm very thankful this morning. We, uh, we had a good trip to Memphis and uh, enjoyed uh, just being able to share the gospel. And uh, we had a great group that went. We took 19 from our, our uh, church, a couple that uh, came along with us from, from other churches but came with our church. And then uh, Chris had about 20 uh, in his group. So we had a really good group that went. And uh, we just about maxed out the outreach center as far as, you know, shower space and that kind of thing. But, um, but we had a great time. We were able to share the gospel uh, many times. And uh, we saw 491 people pray and ask Christ into the heart. And we give God the praise for that. Um, you know, I'm excited by that. But... Um, I'm also, you know, I'm fully aware. Uh, there may have been some of those 491 that didn't understand or didn't mean it or whatever. Uh, how many of them really got saved? You know, that's, that's always a, a question you kind of think about. How many of those people genuinely received Christ and were genuinely born again? And that's a good question. And I don't know the answer to that. Only God knows the answer to that. And that's not really our, our business uh, that's between them and the Lord. But I would pretty much ask the same question this morning. How many of us genuinely receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord? How many of us are genuinely born again? And, we, and again, that's between you and the Lord. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I'm thankful that the, that the gospel is still powerful in the lives of people and still able to change lives. And... Uh, uh, we we met some some neat folks and and had some great experiences and uh, I think about uh, Susan and I were talking to a, a little boy he was eight years old and uh, he was in a he was in a uh, a neighborhood there it was kind of a rough neighborhood but it was right in behind Brother Ronnie Johnson's church and and uh, we were working that street and so we started talking to this little boy and and uh, sharing the gospel a little bit with him and. And uh, he started telling us that he knew the Lord, that he'd been saved. And uh, he said, as we said something about going to heaven, you know, and he said, oh, I'm excited about going to heaven. I want to walk on those streets of gold. And, uh, and he said, and I want, to look, I want to look at God eyeball to eyeball. He put his fingers up here. I mean, I want, to, I want to see Him. I want to look at Him eyeball to eyeball. And I was like, Whoa. Somebody poured something into this little boy. And, uh, you know, so you meet a little bit of everything out there. And, uh, but man, what a, what a sweet time we had. We had a, our group did a, a tremendous job. And, uh, they were, they were a blessing. We, we didn't have any trouble, uh, you know, from them. We, we had a great week and, and, uh, we're looking forward to this evening. We're going to share some testimonies and tell some stories about our time in Memphis. And I hope you'll be here. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, today in our nation, we've, we've got a lot of issues and we've got a lot of problems, you know, as a, as a people. As the American people, we have a lot of issues. But I think the answer is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
The answer is in uh, sharing the gospel with people and praying for lost people and, and asking God to touch people's hearts and change their lives because uh, when that happens, then, then suddenly everything is changed. And uh, folks, we need the gospel today. And I want our church to be focused on that. I mean, there's a lot of things we can focus on. There's a lot of needs and there's a lot of good things that, that we can be about. But we need to be about the best thing that we can be doing with our time. We, we need to be about the, the, the highest calling that, that we can give ourselves to. And it's helping others to come to know our, our Lord, our Savior. And uh, so, uh, I hope you'll come tonight. I hope you'll come. You say, well, I don't know, preacher. Uh, let me just encourage you. Number one, we need to understand and know that God still saves the lost. He still touches hearts and changes lives. And, uh, and you know, yeah, we expect when Brother Ronnie Tullis gets out there and works, man, he's going to see some folks get saved. But, uh, you know, I think you can, you can go up and down through our group and they'll tell you about it the people they got to lead to the Lord this week and how, how God blessed them through that. Um, I'll tell you one, one, one quick story that we rejoiced over. Uh, there's a lady named Beth who works with the ministry. She works with Brother Ronnie and does a, a great job and uh, very you know, organizational and just you know um, doing a lot of good things and got a sweet spirit, just a loving person. And, but she got to talk to a, a young lady Monday evening and led this young lady to the Lord and then as she was talking to her she said you're pregnant aren't you and this young lady just burst into tears and she said yes I'm supposed to go tomorrow to have an abortion and so they kept talking and Beth kept ministering to her and loving on her and encouraging her and by the end of their time, she said, I've changed my mind. I'm not going to have that abortion. I'm going to keep my baby. Yeah. yeah, isn't that awesome? I mean, you know, I got goosebumps on my goosebumps. Um, you know, what difference did we make this week? Well, I don't know. You know, only God knows. Only eternity will tell us. But, but uh, you know, I think there's some that really were touched and were changed and were blessed and were helped and uh, so um, you know I want to I want to I want to be everything that God wants me to be one of the things that brother Ronnie challenged us with this week and you'll probably hear some some more about that but um, he he kind of he told us the story when he first became a Christian and he told his dad and his dad was lost his dad didn't know the Lord at that time now he's a believer but then he was lost and he said his dad told him one thing. He said, well, Ronnie, of course, you've got to get a little of that Louisiana. Ronnie, if you're going to be a Christian, be a good one. Because his dad had seen enough Christians who were not good ones, or at least people who claimed to be a Christian, but who were not good Christians. They were not living the life. And I think that that is our challenge it's that whatever God gives us to do, let's do it with all our heart. Let's pour ourselves into it. Because I'm going to tell you, when you get out on the streets in Memphis and you walk up to somebody that's, that's lost and is in need and, 
and yet may be uh, resistant or, you know, uh, doesn't really want to talk, you better be in it wholeheartedly. You don't walk up and sort of kind of halfway give a gospel witness to, to, to a lost person. I mean, you, you give yourself, you, you put yourself in the line of fire and you step up and you say, hey, I'd like to talk to you. Have you, have you got a copy of, you know, we were handing out the, the big question this week. And, you know, the big question is, is simply this. Uh, we'd walk up to people and say, hey, you got one of these? You had one of these? And they'd say, no, what's that? And we'd hand it to them and say, the big question is this. If you died the moment you started reading this gospel tract, what would happen to you? Would you go to heaven? Would you go to hell? Where would you go? What would happen? Do you know? And, boy, you'd start seeing people... You know, uh, some of them, boy, they have a kind of a shocked look and, and they start trying to think and, and try, you know, some of them were trying to come up with a palatable answer, you know, something that they thought would, would get them by. Some people just say, man, I don't know. Some would say, well, I'm going to heaven. And some would say it was because I trusted Jesus. But then some would say, oh, it's because I'm a good person. I've done, I haven't done anything really bad. And uh, so we begin to share the gospel. Well, I don't tell you, folks, when, when you begin to, to talk to people about their need for Christ, um, you need to understand. This is not something that we can just come to and, and just halfway do. If you're going to do it at all, put, put yourself into this thing. If you're going to be a Christian, be a good one. If you're going to name the name of Christ at all, then pour yourself into it. Do everything for the glory of God. And it doesn't mean about once a year or one day a week. I talked to one young lady, and a young man that was with her, and, and uh, teenagers, and I was talking to them. They both said they knew the Lord. I said, well, are you walking with the Lord? Are you serving the Lord? Yeah, I go to church every Sunday. I said, what about Monday? And Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday? And, and she kind of had this look on her face. And I want to tell you, Folks, I think what we're seeing today in the church is that we're seeing a, a, a form of religion but lacking the power thereof. And, and what we need today is wholehearted, full-on, full-out Christianity. I mean, it's loving Jesus with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And it's loving our neighbor as ourself. And yes, if you want to go there, you can ask that question, well, who is my neighbor anyway? And Jesus answered that. It's whoever's in need. Whoever's around you that has a need, they're your neighbor. Some of them sitting by you this morning. And we're called. We're called to this. And so, uh, I want to try to, to, to preach this message, but I don't know um, how this is going to work. So, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going we're gonna to look at a portion of this. I'm not really going to go as far into this as I had planned to because I just feel like that I need to, I need to uh, look at only a portion of this. But Ephesians chapter 5, and notice verse 15. Ephesians 5 and verse 15. If you found your place and you're able... You're willing, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word? It 
Ephesians 5 and verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not under unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, let's stop there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we ask that You would exalt and lift up the name and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in our midst. And Father, we pray. I pray, Lord, and, and ask that every person would be drawn to Him. Lord, I pray that You would hide me behind Your cross today. And Lord, I pray that it might not be about me, what, what I say or think or do, God, but Lord, that You would draw every person to the Lord Jesus. And Father, if there's even one today who doesn't know You as Lord and Savior, I pray that even today You will speak to their heart, Lord Jesus, and show them their need for Christ and reveal Yourself to them. Lord, draw them to Yourself and save them today. And Father, I thank You and I praise You, Lord, for what You've done this week in our hearts. But Lord, I pray You'd do a work within every one of our hearts today, God. I pray for every believer in this room. Lord, I pray You'd challenge us and, and just make us stop and look at our life and think about where we are. And Father, I pray You'd help us to, to just say, if we're going to be a Christian, I want to be a good one. And Lord, I just thank You so much for what You're going to do. We praise You now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's look at these words here that Paul has for us and, and think about what he's saying and we've been looking at and thinking about kind of where we are as a culture, where we are as a nation, and the need. And the need has always been there. You know, it's always been there. People are lost. And, you know, when you go to Memphis, you see a lostness that's more or on the surface. It's more open. They don't bother to hide their sin. It's just out there for everybody to see, pretty much. But we come back home and our sins, we're, we're, we're a little more private people. We kind of cover over our sins. We kind of hide things. And it's, it's under, it's under a, a thin veneer. You know what a veneer is? You know, a woodworker will take uh, a piece of wood and he'll put a, a veneer, a thin layer of really beautiful stuff over the top of it. And it makes... It makes it look like that there's this beautiful piece of wood there, when in reality there's just a, a thin layer all over the top of it. And that's what we have today in Christianity in North America, I think, is we have a veneer Christianity. We've got a Christianity that is, it's, it looks good for the most part. It sounds pretty good. It, it seems to be what it ought to be, and yet it's missing the reality. It's missing the fullness. It's missing the, the strength. It's missing the power of, of Christ at work in us. And folks, this is what we need. This is what a dying, desperate uh, nation like ours needs. And you may say, oh, but preacher, we live in a good country. We do live in a good country. We've been blessed. We are blessed. But I'm going to tell you, we live in a country that is, is more and more and more turning away from the Word of God and the truth of who God is and the Gospel of Jesus Christ every day. And, and so, um, if there's anything that we need today, it's for Christians to be Christians. It's for Christians to be good Christians. It's for the church to be the church. We are not the world. We're not here for worldly purposes. We're here for the, for the Lord Himself. We're, we're His. We belong to Him. And so He says to us, See then that you walk 
circumspectly. Now that word there, when we say walk, he's not just saying watch where you're going. You know, I've seen where some cities now, they're establishing texting lanes for people to walk in. Because we want to enable people and help them to not have to watch where they're going. I mean, look, we are becoming a nation of idiots. And, you know, uh, what we need are not texting lanes. What we need is put those machines away and live your life. Drive and walk and talk and be a human being. Sorry, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> well, see that you walk circumspectly. The, the term here is not for walking, it's for living your life. It's, it's to, to live your life circumspectly. But what an interesting word the King James uses. Circumspectly. Okay? So there's a couple of clues here in this word for us. Circum, what do you think of? Matthew's got it. Circle. Alright? So as you're walking around, circle, and then spect. Spect. We get a word... Like what Clinton is wearing on his, just took off of his face there, helps him to see spectacles. Well, it's to, to, to watch. So as we walk around in life, as we go through life and everything we do, we're to watch, we're to look, we're to, we're to pay attention. And he says, walk circumspectly. It means to, to pay attention to, to what's going on around us. To live your life carefully. And in the context, it means to live your life in the wisdom of God. God gives us wisdom to live our lives. To be in the world, but not of the world. I mean, there is sin in the world. And you're not going to be able to, to function this week without, in, without encountering uh, some, some things that are wrong. And you're not to be a part of that stuff. But you're in this world. And we're not called to establish this this, uh, you know, hermitage monastery thing up on the hilltop and just stay there and isolate ourselves from, from the people. No, we're called to be in this world. We're called to get out of the salt shaker. Jesus said you're the salt of the earth, but He never intended you to be all bottled up and, and kept safe. He intended you to be poured out, to be offered up to Him as a sacrifice and as you are. Man, I'm going to tell you, people are going to encounter that salt and they're going to experience some flavor they've never had before. They're going to experience and they're going to start getting thirsty for what God can give them. They're going to begin to see how God can preserve them and protect them and, and help them. And, and well, we're to, we're to walk, we're to live our lives circumspectly. And so we're to, we're to look carefully, pay attention. You know, in Memphis, you better be paying attention. Because you never know what's going to come walking down the street. You never know what you're going to encounter, what you're going to find. And, and you know, it, it makes for some interesting moments. But we need, to, we need to have this... Because here's what the enemy likes to do. The enemy likes to get us purely thinking about, okay, here's my schedule this week. Here's my list 
of things to do. Here's all the things that I've got to get done. I've got work and I've got uh, you know shopping and I've got um, things at home that I've you know got to get done and I've got all these things. And what the enemy wants is the enemy wants us to get so preoccupied with stuff, with list, with all of our our busyness that we don't have time for the Lord. Well, I, I would read my Bible, but I just don't have time. I would pray more, but I just don't have time. Well, I don't hear that excuse too often, but I've used it occasionally. Maybe you have at one point or another. But then when I began to sit down and, and analyze my time and how I use it, I discover I've got a lot of time. I've got a lot of time. And Paul gets down to this here in just a moment when he says in verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And folks, we've got a limited amount of time that we're going to live. You know, today, we've got 24 hours in this day. We've got tw- that's all we have. That's all we get. It's 24 hours. 1,440 minutes. 86,400 seconds. We all get the same amount. One of the things that I've, I've observed over the years is that those people who, who serve the Lord and who are faithful and who are busy about the work of God are some of the busiest people that I've observed. And they've got more on their plate. They've got more to do. But they've made a priority. They've said, you know, if I'm going to be a Christian, I want to be a good one. I want to be faithful to God. I want to be in my church. I want to be serving the Lord at work, at home, at church, wherever I am, whatever opportunities come. I want to be faithful. I want to be ready. I want to, I want to redeem the time. Folks, the time is slipping away. And you've only got a certain number of days. You know, I think if, if, if we were given this message this morning and someone told us, now Cody, you've got seven days and then it's all over. Olivia says, couldn't you pick on somebody else? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I mean, I think if we had seven days to live and we knew it, think we'd we'd be readjusting our priorities a little bit. We would be saying, okay, I need to figure out what things I really need to do. If I've got seven days, well, the Bible says, Lord, teach us to number our days. And we don't know, we may not have seven days. None of us know that. We don't know what a day is going to bring. The Bible compares our life to a mist, to a vapor, to a shadow that's here and then it's gone. And one day our life on this earth will end. And our life will not end. We will live for eternity somewhere, either in heaven or in hell. 
But our opportunities to serve the Lord here, now, they're limited. And I want to encourage you. I think, I think what we need to do today, and I'm about to start meddling, so just brace yourself. Buckle your seatbelt. Some of you. I think what we need to do today is we need to turn off the televisions. And we need to unplug the game players. And we need to get off the internet. And we need to get back to the things that matter. To the things that are important. Because some of that stuff, all that's doing is stealing our time. And you're never going to be able to purchase back, to buy back the time when you're giving it away. You're just giving it away. Well, I wish that I could do this. I wish I could do that. You know, I think if, if God got a hold of our hearts and we were, we were suddenly gripped with the realization that we have a limited a number of days in which to serve the Lord and then it's over and we're going to go home, then I think it would, it would begin to motivate us. It would begin to fire us up to get in the fight. Not just to sit back and complain and whine and murmur and, and carry on about what somebody else did or somebody else didn't do. And I mean, I, you know, we can all come up with a bunch of reasons why. Well, I just don't like the way they do this. No, no. And when you hear fellow church members saying, well, this is what they're doing down there at that church, and I, you can just mark it down. They've already put themselves outside the circle. When they start talking they instead of we, because it's we, it's us, y'all. It's, it's us together, serving the Lord together. And I can promise you we can do far more together than we can, we can do separately. How, much, how many people could we have reached in Memphis if 19 people of us had, had decided we were going to go to Memphis, but we all went separately? We all went our own way and we did our own thing. How many people would come back and tell about reaching for Christ? I suspect it wouldn't be very many at all. But when we come together in the name of Jesus, when we allow Him to work in our hearts, when we begin to serve Him and, and, and give up ourself and lay down our life and, and, and die to self, then what can God do? God can do anything He wants to do. And yes, this is, this is a nation in need, but oh, I'm going to tell you, where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound, the Bible says. And so, while, while we may look at it and say, well, you know, uh, man, we're, we're in a bad way, yes, but, but also we're in a place where we're beginning to see that we need God. I think. I hope. I hope we're in a place where we're beginning to understand that this doesn't just work. Your life doesn't just work apart from Jesus. Your family, it doesn't just work. Your marriage, it doesn't just work apart from Jesus. Our community, our, 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 you know, our, our entire country, it doesn't just work on its own. It works when we humble ourselves and we seek the face of God and we pour out our hearts and we serve Him, we live for Him, we honor Him, we worship Him, we share the good news, we talk to others about Him. 
Redeem the time because the days are evil. The days were evil in Paul's time. Are they any less that now? We were in one of the districts in Memphis that's considered one of the, the worst areas for prostitution in the entire country. And they prostitute children out there on street corners. Tell me about our society. Tell me about how great America is when that goes on. We are a lost society in too many ways. And that doesn't mean God can't change it. God does change it. One person, one heart, one soul at a time. People come to know Jesus and they're born again and suddenly they're changed and they're different than they were before. And then God starts putting those people together. He brings them together in little clumps, little clusters, little communities that He calls churches. And He's called us out of the darkness and He's called us into the light. And we're to walk in the light. We're to be imitators of God. Verse 1 told us. We're to walk in the light. We're to, we're to follow Him. Folks, we need to be redeeming the time. Understand. Yeah, you know, we've got a limited amount of time. But our God knows where we are. He knows the challenges you face. He knows the hardships, the difficulties. He knows the things you're struggling with today. He knows the sin problem you have. He knows about the, the things that's going on in your marriage or in your family or at your workplace or school or whatever. He knows all about that stuff. And He's able. He is able to take wounded, hurting, needy people and He's able to use them in great ways. I want to encourage you this morning to bring your, your hurts, your, your pains, your grievances, the things that have been done to you. I want to encourage you to bring it to Jesus Christ this morning and lay it at His feet. And say, God, here I am. This is me. All of me. The good, the bad, everything. God, I lay it before You. And I'm Yours. And I want You to use me. I want You to use me. I don't want to live my life selfishly. I don't want to live like there was no one else out there. You know, the reality is, that we were in Memphis for those few days. We, we went into various neighborhoods. Eight, nine, ten different neighborhoods. And we worked those neighborhoods. How many more neighborhoods were there that we didn't even begin to touch? Hundreds. Hundreds of them. And today, we're back in our safe, little, comfortable life. But some of those little kids that we met this week that are living a life of, of hardship and desperation that we can't even begin to, to guess at, guess where they're at this morning. Guess what their day is going to be like today. They're right there. And the, the, the hard thing is that we can get so caught up in busyness and in, in our life that we lose all sight 
of the fact that there's a kid that goes to County Line right down here. There's a kid right here in this neighborhood who needs love in the worst way. And we're all caught up in me and myself and I. And we don't have time. We can't be bothered. How we need to cry out to God and say, Oh God, break our hearts for the lostness all around us. Let's bow our heads. This morning I want to, I want to ask you to answer this. If your life ended today, if your life ended right at this very moment and it was over, would you be would you be saved? Would you have heaven to look forward to? Do you have assurance in your heart that Christ has saved you and changed you and you're you're redeemed by his his blood by His sacrifice at the cross? Is that your testimony? Or are you struggling in the world of, well, maybe I'm saved. I'm not sure. I think I am. I could. I might be. I hope I am. And if that's you today, I'm going to tell you, life is too short to live there. You need to get that settled. Whatever you need to do to settle that, you say, but wait, preacher, I, I'm, I'm a member of this church. You don't understand. That would be very embarrassing if I came and said, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter if you're the preacher or the preacher's wife. What matters is that you settle that question. That's the most important question in all of life. And this morning, if you've never been saved or... If you're not sure, I want to encourage you and invite you to make sure. Don't let this moment pass you by. And if God speaks to your heart, I want to invite you to come at any moment during this invitation. You don't have to wait for me to say, go, just just get up and come. But maybe there's a Christian here. You know you've been saved. You know you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, but yet you haven't been walking circumspectly. You've been walking in in the darkness that God brought you out of. You've been living in the darkness that God rescued you from. Oh, my brother, my sister, I plead with you this morning to get it right with God. Do whatever you have to do. Get on your face before God. Get at this altar. Make you an altar right there. Go to somebody that you've offended or you've hurt or or whatever and ask their forgiveness. Do whatever you need to do, but get that right. This life is too short and it's flowing by us. Every single moment is leaving us. We've only got a limited amount of time and it's precious. Get it right. If you're going to be a Christian, be a good one. Maybe there's something that you feel God calling you to. Maybe there's somebody on your heart you're concerned about their soul. Man, that's a great reason to be on the altar. 
Maybe you want to come to the altar just, just to be an example, just to say, you know, there's nothing wrong with going to the altar. I want to encourage you. If God lays it on your heart this morning, get on the altar. Begin to pray. Begin to seek the Lord. Begin to cry out to God. Father, in this moment, Lord, there's all kinds of needs in this room. And Lord, I don't know. I don't know what 